0: With your hosts Eric
2: Shapiro, David North Martino, John Topinfazer, and Al Warren. on 106.5 FM Los Angeles,
1: 102.3 <laughs> <laughs> FM Riverside,
2: and 1050 AM Palm Springs.
3: Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. Dave Birthday Martino. <laughs> I'm here. You're here. I'm, I'm I survived surprised. the weekend. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised that you made it in on a Monday after your birthday. I know. Crazy, not, so much, right? not so much the drinking, though, that too. But <laughs> I was thinking of all that, you know, cake. Cake, yeah. Exactly. Icing, sugar. I had much. to roll myself into the studio. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, sugar they, coma. Yeah, they had to open both doors to get you <laughs> in. Exactly. Get a we're back, we're, yeah. We're yes. So, so you are doing all that, so I guess you didn't watch the Grammys. I did not. No. I didn't even know they were on, Alex. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Each year it goes by, all these award shows. Yeah. It just seem to get less and less notice. And I don't know what the deal is. Well, I, I actually forgot, too, and I was doing my Perry Mason. And, of course, then I saw something. Uh, came up on a post. So I flipped through and, and, you know, five, ten minutes and it kept breaking for commercials and I was already bored. So I mm. went back to Perry Mason. <laughs> 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 you know, plus it ends up, you know, as I'm, as i getting older, you, you know, less people that win, you yeah, know, yeah, exactly.
0: Like who's citizen. this?
3: Yeah. There was a few actually, I, cause it was the same old Beyonce and, ah, yep. And then that, that guy that's from England that, dress is funny, and actually <laughs> a couple for me, when the dress is funny. Um, but yeah, so it was all, yeah, anyway, I didn't pay attention, so, you know, anyway. If it's not 30 years old, I won't know it. Yeah, yeah, none of you know, none, of your, none of your bands that you grew up with, that's for I sure. know, right? Elvis, the Beatles.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, so now we're going to get back into it. Now, today we've got an author... And uh, her, her new book is called Nine Liars. And so let's talk about that. So joining us is Maureen Johnson. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
3: Wow. So, Maureen, Nine, uh, nine Liars. Wow. That's so, right. Uh, and so how do you classify this? And I, And the reason I ask this is because... Um, i'm an old guy and hmm. um and so it's a detective story but it's also considered fantasy supernatural mystery and young adult romance and detective so i'm i'm like holy cow
0: i have no idea why it's classified fantasy supernatural because it's neither of those things <laughs> i think that's just some if that's on amazon that's some weird yeah uh, i have no that it is not those so
3: <laughs> yeah that's what i i, I I usually find that so young adult. Um, what does that category mean to you when you write?
0: All it means is basically the age of the protagonist. There's really no difference in terms of the level of the writing. I have many, many, many adult readers well through their 70s and 80s. So it's not. It's it hasn't have any restrictions in terms of who reads it. It's just that it the the protagonists tend to be. Under the age of 18.
3: (laughs) Right. So it's just kind of like who you've got going. How do you, how do you write into that, um, category? Like, how do you put yourself in the place of your main character or characters that are young adults doing this? Not saying you're old, but how do you get in, how do you, like, cause what (laughs) I'm saying is because each generation has their own thing. Sure. So how do you get into the mindset of someone that's young? when you're writing a book like that?
0: Well, I, I feel like people think it's a little more difficult than it is because we, as authors, you get into the mindsets of all kinds of people. Like, how do you get in the mindset of a murderer or an astronaut or a goblin? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a, a human being. I find, though, the key to YA is that I think there are two things. One is that it tends to be a genre of firsts. Because when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, you're doing a lot of things for the first time. So there's a degree. You're ch- it's not like, here I am, 15 years old with another ex-wife. You know, it's not, there's not a lot of baggage you're carrying around generally in terms of huge life experience. That, that, that can vary. Um, and secondly, it's very, it doesn't suffer fools gladly. Um, Teenagers are enthusiastic readers. They are also a bit merciless, and they can spot if you're trying to fake them out. Adults actually have a much higher tolerance for this, I think, than teenagers. They also tend to read widely across genres. So if you write, emo- and I have written in these other genres in the past, uh, it's just that this book is a straight-up mystery story, um, They'll they'll hop from one genre to another without being as tightly boxed in. So right. I think just kind of keeping an open mind that you haven't, that the characters haven't experienced that may be going through something for the first time.
3: Right, right. That's what makes sense. So now, um, now do you, you put a certain amount of comedy in this too, don't you?
0: Well, I think that that's just me. I mean, I, I write how I write. So people say this. if pe- people tend to find what I write to be funny, uh, great. You know, that's, that's just what I sound like.
3: <laughs> well, when you, when you, but when you do that, do you, do you have to be careful of the placement or the the type of humor, you know, in today's circumstance?
0: In, in today's circumstance, meaning, uh, well, yeah, do you
3: have to like, do you second guess? Do you think, do you think twice when you've written stuff and you've kind of got some humor or let's say some laughing and stuff like that? Like, it's just, a it's, um, because you're dealing still with a murder yeah, in, yeah. In, in in a book, right? So that's- well,
1: yeah,
0: I think that all jokes, no matter where you use them, have to be well timed, or they're not jokes. So I think that's always part of the calculation. Um, and also, classic murder mysteries, I think, frequently have a lot of humor in them because they are. I liked. I tend to. These are classic, straight up. This is a. This is actually a country house murder mystery, and that that part of the genre I think gives it a lot of room for comedy because I think we all know this is not a police procedural. This is not, you know, a gritty realistic. This is a, this is a more classic mystery, which I think has loads of room for comedy because we all know, we all know that this is a puzzle in a game.
3: Well, do you, you know, you talked about timing. Do do you think you need a sense of comedic timing? Like a standup comedian needs that to um, make an audience laugh. Do 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 you need some sort of uh, timing or flow to make a reader laugh? Sure,
0: I mean it, it's always necessary. It just doesn't work without it. You just have to um, you have to feel out the, the beats and you have to feel out the. It's it's more it's it's a very rhythmic thing. So yeah, I think it. I think a lot of comedy is rhythm.
3: Now, is this this is set in the UK? Is that right?
1: It is. Yes.
3: So is your is your setting and your placement like a London and the UK? Is that kind of a character in itself?
0: Yeah, it takes place in two locations in the UK. It begins in London and it moves out to the countryside, um, to outside of the city of Cheltenham, so in the in the kind of rolling fields of Gloucester. And it's um, London. Yeah, absolutely. I I've written a lot about London. I I helpfully have an English husband, so our time is split. We spend a lot of time in the UK, and London has its own special. It's a very, it's a very old city. It's very twisty. It's built on top of itself for two thousand, three thousand years. It's full of tunnels. It's full of secrets. Every time you trip over something, and they have to dig a hole. It's a, it's a plague pit. Um, someone's always been murdered somewhere, knighted somewhere. There's always, there's lots of magical rocks. So everything has a lot of significance, and there's always twelve stories down whenever you stop anywhere. So the fact that it's just so layered in stories and history that we a lot of times, you know, American modern American culture is pretty shallow. Like we don't have a lot of stuff. We can't be like you know, we of our current American culture. You can't dig that deep, but you can always pull up something that's like here's the Roman. Here's when the Romans were here, and then here's when the first the, this king he, he found a horse and a magical. My my in-laws live near somewhere. Like a, they live near kind of this magical rock where near where a king was shot in the eye with an arrow and everything has is a ma- little bit of a magical rock so many magical rocks so that's always useful
3: yeah it's- yeah I, I know what you say it's got it have got a huge amount of history there and uh it's you know it brings a lot of mystery in itself yeah um your main characters um so how do you develop your characters and how do you how do you experience them? Are you seeing them, hearing them, or feeling them, or how, how? What's your process?
0: Well, the main character in this is a detective named Stevie Bell, and I she appears first in a book called Truly Devious. I I was a detective, not only just a mystery kid, but really a detective mystery kid. Although, or any other mystery that where you could go to the end and find the solution. So, any was like one minute mysteries, or Encyclopedia Brown, or you know. Just, I loved a detective, and I wanted to build a detective, so I built this original, it's actually a trilogy for her, with a kind of bespoke school to give her everything she needed, because I needed to figure out how a 16-year-old could be a detective, so I started with that concept and sort of brick and mortar built around her so that there was a structure custom built for her to be a detective. I think I'm very architectural in that sense. I'm very, what do I need? And therefore... Who can grow in this environment? That's sort. That's sort of how I think about it. So,
3: are you? Or do you have a? You know, I ask this. It might sound weird, but do you have a relationship with with Stevie?
0: Um, she's mine. I'm not one of those. I don't tend to think that characters are talking to me. Um. Well, that's. I'm good. very. I'm very much the. <laughs> I'm in charge here. I'm doing this on purpose. Um. Of course, you can hear them. In the sense that once you've developed them. You can feel and you, you hear things, but, you know, I am always well aware that they are figments of my mind, ma- very well-realized figments of imagination.
3: Right, right. You're not driving down the street talking to yourself. Or no,
0: not. no, no. I am, but that's a different story.
3: <laughs> well, I'm wondering, you know, uh, how you create your dialogue then. Um, if you're not hearing the dialogue and then transcribing it, what's your, what's your process?
0: I, yeah, I kind of am, but I, it's always what does the scene need to be accomplished? And every line of dialogue is a li- obviously a little line of gold. You know, you get so many things that you ring out of dialogue. You get action, you get character, um, but also in mysteries, you get this third bonus round of potential clue or misdirection. And so you really have to think of what, always what you're trying to accomplish in every scene, with that added mystery round of, am I dropping something in this one? Is this, that, that's the really, that's the fun of writing mysteries is you get this extra bonus round of leaving information, trails of information, false trails, real trails, hidden trails. That's my favorite part.
3: So I guess you outline things pretty, pretty thoroughly. If you're that type of writer or do you just kind of go with it?
0: Oh, with mysteries, I am an outliner. I, I start with the, not the how or the who, but the why. Why the crime happened and then I then I work the who and the how out of that. Then I work out the crime or crimes in detail and how it was done, who did it and what potential problems came out of it and information and what things would have come off of it. And then I spiral out from there to work out all of the rest of the information of the story. But I'm very much, I start with The puzzle, these are, these are. Nine Liars is a fair play mystery. All of the truly devious books are the Stevie Bell mysteries are fair play. So the information is always in the book that you need to solve it. So I really build out from the crime, the incident, figure out what other big story events, character events need to happen, and then really work out from there and sort of create the book, outline it in sort of a little miniature couple pages, then build it out and out and out from there. Well, how do you
3: keep track of everything? Do you have a a set of tools? Do you use note cards? Do um, do you just use a notebook? How does that work for you?
0: I tend to find I like to buy as many organizational tools as possible so that I have so many organizational tools that I have on occasion looked up or tried to buy organizational tools to help me deal with my organizational tools. And then I really go down a rabbit hole (laughs) where I'm really stressed out by all the organizational tools that I have acquired, all the bits of software. All the things I try out, all the whiteboards, all the, and then in the end, it's like many, many post-its, a bunch of screaming, and then, um, putting the post-its into an electronic post-it board. Sounds like a job. (laughs) Yeah. I like to create as, I like to make it as complicated as possible. Yeah. I like to really clutter it up in an attempt to declutter it, it's, it's really working for me.
3: Well, yeah, that's the that's the, the main thing. How do, you, how do you know when the book's done? Like, is there a certain point where you stop editing, stop adding, stop, you know, writing, and you just know it's done, or is it is it one of those things that never really ends?
0: It's when they threaten me. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. when they threaten me. It's like, no, it's really due. We're coming. Maureen, we're here. We're at the door. We are opening your door. We're standing next to you now. Just stop pretending you can't see us. Give us the book. It, it, it's it's when they take it. I will work up to the last second. I will be half dead and my finger will be uh, just reaching for the keyboard to type one more letter. So I like a frenzy.
3: <laughs> when they rip it from your yeah. cold, dead hands. <laughs> right. Um, what, what happens then? Do you ever go back and kind of look at it, a book that's been published, and kind of want to change it or keep adding to it then?
0: Oh, that's painful, isn't it? Yeah. That's no fun. Um, There's no point in that, but because there are, there's, it. because, so Truly Devious is a series of three books. Truly Devious, The Vanishing Stare on the Hand of the Wall, that's one mystery. There's another standalone mystery called The Box in the Woods, and this is a standalone mystery called Nine Liars. They all may contain pieces of information I need to make sure I have right, so I will constantly re-reference just to make sure that I have Established correctly, where everything is um, who has what, etc so I, I tend to go back to look for information, but not for because that that's that way madness lies that's just unhappiness that's just driving yourself up the wall
3: yeah. But a lot of writers are unhappy
0: <laughs> oh yeah i I'm, I'm a very happy person. This is why i just I just wander along and just that that's the secret to my happiness is don't don't worry about it, you did' it. <laughs> just keep going.
3: Yeah, I think it's Walk true on. because you you'll never you'll never really solve that issue because you' you're constantly changing and growing, and then each time you look at it, you're going to want to update it in a sense or fix it, so to speak. Right. So
0: occasionally, a reader will say, "I found a typo." Here to help you, they will say, "I found a typo," and they'll send it to you. Yeah. So just stick a stick a knife in my face. Why don't you? Yeah. Just this is what so sad every time. Just so upset.
3: Yeah. Well, that's all right. I always just block them.
0: <laughs> I always I always thank them and then sit quietly and stare at the wall for a minute.
3: No, and if they you know if they keep at her, then I hunt them down. Yeah. You know? I
0: mean, they have they have to learn somehow.
3: Yeah. Well, so does, does that affect you, like the emotion of your surroundings? So, like, if you're having a bad day, can you still sit down and do your writing on point, or do you have to be in the right mood?
0: It has nothing to do with mood. I mean, I have to be basically well. Like, some, I just had COVID, so not a lot of writing got done. But aside from that, it's a no. I don't. You don't have to be in a in a mood. You make the mood. Um, I think you know it's it's a behavior. It's also your job, but it's a behavior. So you, I, I think, I think most writers cultivate the ability to, or a lot of do. Not everybody can't speak for anybody, but you can create that behavior anywhere. It's like I can, I can eat no matter the situation. So you know, I can, I can write pretty much no matter the situation. But
3: what do you hope someone gets out of the book when they read it? Is it just pure entertainment, or do you actually? Sort of have a, a, a subtext or a meaning or something you want people to maybe pull out of the book.
0: I hope it's a it's a classic, straight up country house murder mystery. I hope that they enjoy the puzzle. I hope that they enjoy spending time at this place. I, I really kind of hope to build a place for people to spend some time and some people to spend their time with. And I, especially that one. I guess there is one thing about writing for when you have teen readers is that they can relate very heavily to your characters and giving them something to hold on to that they find, you know, that they feel that they've seen themselves in a book is, can be very meaningful. Um, For example, CV suffers from anxiety. Loads of people suffer from anxiety. It's not a defining characteristic for her. It's just something she has. It's just like, and also I have green eyes and that she kind of gets on with it, even though it's a pain. Um, just this idea that things are okay, like it's okay to have some problem. It's okay to to be worried about your future. It's okay to feel like you're not getting it right. I'm a big believer in things are generally a mess, and that's entirely appropriate. Writing is a mess. Life is often very messy, and that's fine. That's actually exactly how it's supposed to go.
3: Do you ever um, use people that you know or have met or have seen, as kind of inspirations in characters or maybe certain aspects of them that you use in characters?
0: Uh loosely. There is a character in that's throughout the series, Nate, who is a writer. He wrote a book when he was a when he was a kid that actually got published, and ever since then they've been wanting him to write a second book. And he will do absolutely anything but write his book. And having said that I can write under any circumstances, I have was obviously lying. And um, writers often avoid writing as much as humanly possible and then classify whatever it is they're doing as writing. Like, I am painting. This is my form of writing. I am cleaning this floor. It is a form of writing. Um, So he is me and every writer I know just desperately trying to avoid the task at hand by not writing or writing the thing he's not supposed to be writing.
2: Well,
3: do you ever kill people? You know.
0: Uh, have I ever killed anybody I know? Uh, sort of. You mean in a book, right? <laughs> I mean, a for a yeah, well,
3: well, I mean, is this you a know, trap? We have something else to tell? Is this a trap? Yeah, we this won't is, tell anyone. Oh God, this, yeah, this is, we don't let anybody. This is
0: Such a such an easy trap I fell into. Um. Yeah. Uh, eh, those those people generally have all been uh, created. I don't think I. I don't yeah, think I. Yeah, I don't think I've actually. That doesn't
3: sound real believable, but that's a. Okay.
0: Look, 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 I want a lawyer.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Dave's a lawyer. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Look. Sure. Well, what are you going to tell me then? Don't say anything else.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Speak your mind.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. You have nothing. <laughs> say to it mind. all.
3: <laughs> he didn't say he was a good lawyer.
0: I know. Yeah. Uh,
3: So, how do you get yourself to write if you're in that mood where you're cleaning floors? Is there there a trick?
0: uh, I don't know if you find this as well. Is it when you're doing something else? Sometimes that's when you think: showering, walking, cooking. You know, sometimes I just have to get up and physically do something and work it through. And then I find that I've left myself little notes all over the house, like on the little whiteboard in the kitchen, or. Just random scrawled notes. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I was I was thinking about that." Uh, then it's simply the action of sitting down and frequently um, just using. I use a program to turn off the internet, so that, that 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 tends to be what gets you, as well. I'll just look something up. I'll answer an email. If you use a if you use a blocker, then you just absolutely can't get online, and um, then it it just drags you back. To what you have to do?
3: Yeah, the internet's a dangerous place.
0: <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful, messy, awful, great place. It's
3: like a bar fight every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Do you like to, um, you know, read your reviews? Do you do you get into mm. that and how things are, how people respond to when you write?
0: No, I mean, I'll glance at them, not not on on sites, but like actual. Like trade reviews and things like that, or if someone sends something to me, I'll I'll give it a quick read, but I that's it. It's very quick, but I don't go and like read Goodreads or Amazon reviews. Maybe once or twice when the book's first out, just to see generally what people think. But then after that, that's again, it's um, it can even if they're you know they they're great. I'm I'm not even sure how they serve uh, because I, I you know people can have absolutely any opinion they want about it. And there's nothing. Also, sometimes you see on Amazon, there'll be things like you'll get a bad review and you'll, you will look at it. and It'll be like, book came damaged. And you're like, okay, there's nothing I can do about this. So why did I come here? This is your own fault. This is your own fault for showing up. So honestly, no, I just don't. I don't, I don't it, it doesn't really in, change or inform what I do generally.
3: Yeah, I just look at the uh, overall. If I yeah. if I'm on this like you know, if it's like five minute reviews and you're four, four and a half stars, that's great. Good enough.
0: Yeah. I kind of imagine I'm cooking at a diner or something. Every once in a while i lean in and go, people liking them people liking the burgers? Great. Lean back yeah. in, just <laughs> Yeah. because
3: yeah, they stop coming if they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so well that's interesting. So who 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 are your inspirations? Or do you have any writers that you're inspired by or you like reading?
0: I mean, that's a tough, I mean, we all read loads and loads and loads. Um, I frequently talk about my favorite, my favorite young adult mystery ever was the Game*, which came out in 1978 and is still amazingly readable. And I reread it at least once a year and I was obsessed with it as a child. And uh, I think it won the Newbery in 78. And it is a, an incredible example of a really good murder puzzle mystery for kids as even for a younger audience that's a middle great book and it's so good and it it really got to me as a kid it was like all i could think about was this puzzle in this book if i don't know if you've ever read it it's an amazingly good book
3: i've never read a book before i'm, I'm considering yeah. it I, you know I'm, yeah I'm, i don't know i'm tired of comic books so i'm <laughs> thinking of moving up but you want to i don't know yeah.
0: There's so many good comic books, though. It's probably... It's funny, just keep going with that. Yeah. And that's also rating, so that's fine. Yeah,
3: I love pictures, too. I mean, <laughs> Okay, so at, what's next? Like, what are you going to do? Are uh, you going to keep doing this, uh, you know, young adults and all that? Is that sort of your passion?
1: It's, it's a
0: lot of what I do. Um, I'm certainly going to be continuing. I have more Stevie Bell mysteries coming. I have an entirely new standalone young adult mystery coming next year called Death at Morning House. Um, I just really... I've written a lot of YA books, but I was always a classic mystery person, and it took me a long time to get around to writing straight-up classic mysteries. I don't know why. I think it was because I loved them so much, and they were so dear to my heart that I I just didn't think I could do it for some reason, but it turns out that's that's really where I wanted to be. So I have at least three more coming up right now, and hopefully even more after that. So,
3: Where did you get interested in writing? Were you Were you that person that was writing since five years old type thing? Or-
0: I, was that, I was that person. I don't really have any other skills. And uh, it's just, I feel like that's the key to success. If, in something like writing, that's a pretty sketchy thing to want to get into is just develop that one skill and really lean into it so that you have no other choices. That's worked for me. <laughs> that's not great advice, but that worked for me. I'm like, I got to make this work because I don't know how to land planes or anything. So I got this thing. So I'm gonna do it.
3: it was a lot of, there's a, plenty of people out there that don't know how to do their job. So
0: ah, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. mean that's fair enough. So, okay. but I'm a real eggs, all eggs in one basket kind of a person. I'm gonna go down with the ship. Um, but yeah, I always wanted to be a writer, and of course, everybody was like, "No, really," and I said, "No,
3: this is really what I want to do." Was there a certain thing that made you actually decide to to send it to a publisher or get it out there?
0: It, I just constantly worked to that course i i studied uh, rhetoric and writing in undergrad i did actually I did, I did two mfas uh one in writing and one in theatrical dramaturgy sort of at the same time uh but as i was working on my mfa it turns out someone i knew was very quietly showing my in class work to an agent and so i wasn't even ready to submit yet and i kind of got picked up before even i was um ready like before i was even thought I would, so I was got very lucky in that respect.
3: Wow, that's great.
0: It was, I mean, yeah, it was great. It was very like, oh, you've been doing what now? And uh, they're like, no, oh, they love it. So, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, so I was very lucky, so that really right, actually, I was still in grad school.
3: What would you say to someone that's a brand-new writer out there?
0: Um, embrace the idea of messing up and failing and that, noth- that things – uh, that all writing when you first write is bad. So if you were like, I write and it's really bad, or I'm writing the story and it's terrible and I don't know how to do it, that that means you're right on track, that you're you're feeling like everybody feels, or like most people feel. It's like, I don't know, what is this? What am I doing? I'm doing it wrong. Things have to be written poorly before they're written well, and that it does take time to learn and to do. I think people sometimes think like writing is different, that you just sit down and you can do it. And that's just magic, and I um, and I always think like, would you just say to someone, did you just sit down and play the piano with nobody teaching you how to do it? I mean, I'm sure people have done that, but generally speaking, someone's got to teach you what the keys are, and you got to practice. And it is a thing that takes practice and trial and error, and it continues to need trial and error forever.
3: Yeah, that never really changes, does it? You know? No. Wow. So now are you interacting? Do you have social media set up? Do you have a website? How do people find you?
0: Oh, they find me. Um, I've always been pretty active on social media. Um, I'm on Twitter at Maureen Johnson and Instagram at Maureen Johnson Books and then online at MaureenJohnson.com. So pretty easy.
3: Wow. You're just all over the place. Well, of course, now we're going to have all of that up on the website. People can find you, find the book, find find everything. And please... Send her a message. She likes it. Maureen likes that. I like it.
1: Yeah. I'll am talk
0: to anybody. I don't yeah. Just,
3: just, yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> well um, we really appreciate you coming in, talking about your new book. Uh, of course, the book is called Nine Liars, and our guest has been Maureen Johnson. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
3: Thanks, Maureen.
2: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or show,
0: go to
2: www.houseofmystery.com.
1: Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is the a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.
0: You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests, hosts